Welcome to Amplify. You're listening to Clinging Like Fire by composer Alton O'Brien, one of six pieces composed for Ulysses' journey 2022, an international celebration marking the 100th anniversary of the publication of James Joyce's Ulysses, presented by the Contemporary Music Centre and the Centre Culturel Irlandais. I'm Jonathan Grimes and this is episode 59 and for this our first episode of 2022 we delve into this major project of new music and film which takes place from February to June 2022. <laughs> <laughs> With me to tell us more about Ulysses' journey 2022 is my colleague Linda O'Shea Farron, CMC's Projects, Programmes and Events Manager. Hello, Linda. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm great, thank you. So perhaps you could start by giving an outline of the project and how it actually came about. Well, Jonathan, this project actually dates back three years to March 2019 when uh, Hungarian guitarist Kathleen Kaltai was in Dublin to present at TU Dublin's Dublin Guitar Symposium. And she also gave a performance uh, at the Embassy of Hungary in Ireland. And this is how we met her. And from that came the idea of having a Bloomsday concert in Budapest. So we got in touch with the Irish embassy there and they were thrilled about the idea. So CMC put out a call for guitar works for Bloomsday in Budapest, which attracted a huge audience. And uh, what we're looking for, new or existing works for guitar by Irish and Hungarian composers with a view to partnering with the Budapest Music Centre and the Embassy of Ireland and Hungary to celebrate Bloomsday 2020. We also paired Kathleen with uh, Irish soprano Elizabeth Hilliard. So we'd have Irish composers, Hungarian composers and Irish and Hungarian performers. And we were then to have a return trip back to Ireland, have a concert here. But as we all know, of course, Covid hit. And our Bloomsday 2020 in Budapest had to go for a Burton. So not to be daunted or anything, CMC, of course, decided to continue our collaboration anyway. And we did a sort of an online presentation showcasing all the composers and the performers. And we did this event with the embassy. And even though we've been bumped on from year to year, we've kept in touch with the embassy and all the slate of performers and composers to sort of keep the project alive. And um, that's how we arrived pretty much three years later, frankly, to uh, last Wednesday in the Irish Film Institute. It's amazing, isn't it, how uh, how the pandemic affected a project such as this and then plans were, you know, you're kind of reassessing plans, you're making a plan B, plan C. And so and, and here we are now. 
Well, actually, we ended up making plan A to Z, I'd say. And the good news is that actually COVID benefited this project because the deepening of the exchange allowed us to bring other artists in so that by the time, Jonathan, we got to 2022, it was now the 100th anniversary of the publication of Ulysses in Paris. So instead of just having the International Concert Series, and I say just advisedly, we added six films with six new commissions by composers and also a discussion by Ben Dwyer with me, actually, in relation to Joyce and Music. So we turned it into Ulysses Journey 2022 from what was Bloomsday Concert in Budapest. So you mentioned the six works for film uh, which were commissioned and, and uh, produced for this uh, project. Tell me about those films and how the composers and the filmmakers were chosen. Well, that was altogether different in terms of its gestation period, because, as I mentioned, the concerts kind of date back in concept to March 2019. But the films only started really on the 1st of October 2021, which for six new works to be composed, then recorded and films and everything in four months to be screened on the 2nd of February in the Irish Film Institute and simultaneously in Saint Culturel, Irlande Day in Paris was, you know, <laughs> some feat. Choosing six composers was easy because you put out a call. We got lots of interest. I organised an independent panel and we chose actually five composers from that because our CMC emerging composer of the time, Alton O'Brien, was already, if you like, pre-selected. But the other five were selected. They got cracking on composing it in, I think, two months or something insane. Uh, but they all prioritised it. And while they were composing, I had the task of trying to match filmmakers with them. Uh, we chose filmmakers through a combination of my collaborating with the composers, some of whom knew filmmakers they wanted to work with or had always wanted to work with and others who really wanted suggestions. So the call originally was for accordion, spoken word and electronics or two of the three of those. The central player in all of this was Dermot Dunn, our very well-known accordionist. But Dermot Dunn and Jiggery Pokery Productions got together in the very early days of January and they recorded the accordion parts for all five works. So we're going to hear now, Linda, from two of these composers who composed for these films, Dara Kelly and Eilish Nirin. Tell me about those two uh, films. Composer Dara Kelly is one of our newly represented composers here at CMC and who was based in London until very recently and he has now moved back to Dublin. Dara was matched, as all the other five were, or the other four, with accordionist Dermot Dunn and he knew filmmaker Rianuk Nigrir, so she was commissioned to work with him. And then Rianuk knew actor Hannah Mamalis. She did the spoken word acting for them. On the other hand, composer Eilish Nirian is an established composer who has been represented by CMC for many, many years. She's based in York, originally from Cork herself. And Eilish had proposed to use an Irish language recording of Ulysses by Jim Henry, who had passed away. Similarly, like Ed Bennett had proposed that his father, Thomas Bennett, would do his spoken word. So we're very engaged by that. And the Henry family very kindly agreed to allow Eilish to use Jim's audio recording in the Irish language and also some archival family footage that she could use for film. Because Eilish was one of the two composers who decided to do her own film, Alton O'Brien being the other one. She also worked with accordionist Dermot Dunn, as did Dara. So you'll hear accordion throughout these two. So let's hear from them now. First, Dara Kelly, followed by Eilish Nirin.
My name is Dara Kelly. I'm a composer and musician from Dublin. The piece is called Penelope, and it's a collaboration with the filmmaker Rhianna Nigriagar. I went to visit the Literature Museum and went to see the copy of Ulysses, copy number one, behind glass, temperature controlled, with, I think, yes, I will, yes, daubed above it on the wall in cursive. It got me thinking about what I could do with that quite overused soliloquy and much referenced and not much understood or contextualized, I would say. So I got the idea to put it through some machine learning text generation software and see what would happen. And he said yes, and I said yes, and he said yes, and he said yes, and I said yes, and he said yes, and he said yes, and I gave him the card and he took it in his hand, in my hand, and then I said yes, and he said yes, and I was afraid I might touch him, and he was going about it with a bit of a carry on the collar, and I couldn't tell him not to touch me, and he just began walking along with his tongue sticking out of my petticoat. So I used a simplified version of OpenAI's GPT-2, which is based on a transformer neural network architecture. So that learns from the text and produces new text. So I put in all 26,000 words from the Penelope, the final chapter of Ulysses, and got back a couple of pages. The text I got back was quite interesting, quite witty, played with repetition in quite an interesting way, had some brand new kind of odd allusions and references, and I think highlighted some of the things that would come out in the film that Rihanna made, some of the kind of feminist readings of Molly in Ulysses and in her soliloquy in particular. I suppose he is, he was a bit of a wild, of a thing, of a beauty too. Oh, I suppose he couldn't stand up to me in the street. You've used AI before um, when you sort of train it on whatever data or information or music. Do you kind of have a sense of what, what you expect back or are you genuinely surprised in the case of, let's say, this particular piece? So this is the first time I've done text generation on my own. It's slightly different to music generation in that you're going to get similar punctuation and sentence structure to the data set you put in. So with the final chapter, there's there's no apostrophes. It's one continuous sentence in the continuous present. But depending on how much agitation you play with in the process, the joke is, would I get more Ulysses or would I get Finnegan's Wake, essentially? And I think I got something in between. Maybe it's more Ulysses than Finnegan's Wake, uh, I think. With the text, it was an interesting process. It's far more simple, quicker, but quite unique in different ways, especially pertaining to Rihanna's making of the film after the text was generated as well. On that process of uh, working with Rihanna uh, as a filmmaker, how did that collaboration pan out? It, was it a case of you coming up with this text and then composing the piece? Or were you kind of sharing this text with her, you know, before the piece was recorded? I mean, tell, tell me a little bit about that kind of whole process, because you've 
you know, you you work also with video and with multimedia as as well. So this would be something that you know this would be territory that you'd be reasonably comfortable with yourself as a as a composer or as an artist. I have worked with multimedia and text and video quite a bit in a far more rough kind of way than Rena was. I guess the concept came first of the AI generated texts and music that would be simpatico with that in some way and and the original text and the vibe so the music for accordion came first then the text was generated and then rihanna filmed hannah in the hotel room reciting the text but rihanna and i did talk about our goals for it up front and what we thought of the final chapter and each other's work and kind of references and textures we wanted. But I very much wanted Rena to do her own thing. I stayed in my lane, essentially. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to steer her in terms of the visuals because she's so talented. I thought it would be better for the project, which it was. Oh, I suppose he couldn't stand up to me in the street. Talk to me a little bit about your own composing background, just to kind of set the scene or, or provide a little bit of context for your work in terms of what drives you as a, as a composer and where you are and where you've come from. I guess I took the kind of scenic path to composition. I was in bands when I was a teenager and then went to study classical music in Trinity when I was 23 or four as a mature student and kind of stumbled my way through composition classes and then went off to London to do a master's and did a lot more kind of conceptual work. I think I was very lucky after the pandemic to get a few commissions from Kirkos and Crash Ensemble and uh, Music Current. For the past year, I've been working with AI. It stems from my kind of college obsession with the new and new material and the progression of the music material and then my kind of despondency at being unable to write any new material and then looking to what was outside the material uh technological advances i guess that can then become the material Mm. so yeah since then i've been quite interested in ai and it's conceptual and kind of socio-political and purely sound synthesis uh, effects and what we can do with those. How is AI developing as a as a, a compositional tool? Have you any idea where it's going and whether or not it will move from being a niche part of musical creation to perhaps gaining more of a foothold among composers? I guess the the type of machine learning I use, neural synthesis, is at quite an interesting point. So the, the type where you put in audio and get audio back. Mm. Up until now, it's been very data and storage intensive and slightly inaccessible. But I think there's new projects coming online just recently that don't need masses and masses of cloud storage to do it. Mm. So that kind is becoming more accessible currently. So neural synthesis is at this slight tipping point also where it's still not quite good enough to reproduce its input, its data set well enough 
you can still get interesting results essentially. Unlike say symbolic machine learning work that's done with MIDI or notation, you know, the back corral stuff that is reproduces it perfectly. So I think that symbolic stuff will become within the next 10 years and it already has done in a way, advanced enough to put film composers out of work or jingles ad work. In terms of audio input and output neural synthesis, I'm not sure where that's going, really. It's applied everywhere, really. It's in lots of plugins on DAWs and everyone has it on their laptops, really, at the moment. But that's application in the next five or ten years will, I think, be quite interesting to see. All I've been hearing over the last couple of weeks, as, as I'm sure you have as well, is, is, you know, the metaverse. Any thoughts in relation to music and uh, art in relation to that? Or is that purely a commercial construct that's aimed at taking our attention away from music or human created uh, art? I'm still a big Adorno fan at heart and I think art dies once it comes in contact with the commodified and the commodity. No doubt it will be part of it, this this metaverse, but I think ultimately the metaverse, AI, they're all kind of registries of power and, and capital. So I think there's great art to be mined from it, but I don't think it will be in, in collaboration with it. Thanks very much, Dara. Thanks so much, Jonathan. And how long does it take for a man to stand up for himself? I'm Eli Schneerian, composer and writer. Tell me about your particular piece for this Ulysses uh, Journey project. I will see if I can see. It's a piece for accordion and prepared piano, and there is some spoken text. I was interested when this journey began for me to see if anyone had translated Ulysses into Irish. I'm a writer myself, and over the last three years, some of my plays have been translated into French. It has been a fascinating process to go back and forth, especially about colloquialisms and interesting use of vernacular. And also I have invented my own language from time to time. When this came up for me, I thought, I wonder, has anyone translated Eudicase into Irish? I know it's been translated into many languages, but has someone tackled this? And how did that turn out? (laughs) And lo and behold, there isn't a published Irish translation of Eudicase yet, but a gentleman called Jim Henry who had a fascinating life, in his retirement decided with uh, a friend of his to begin the process of translating Ulysses into Irish of an evening. I thought it was incredible that someone could live such a, a fruitful, varied and interesting life and then in retirement decide that this was something else they would do. And he made recordings of himself reading segments from his translation. And so for this piece, I wanted to start with his words. I liked the idea of him in his home in the evening 
reading his own translation into reel to reel with no eyes on him, not knowing is was this ever going to come to anything? Would anyone ever really pick up on it? But can you imagine the determination and, and passion to approach translating work like Ulysses into the Irish language? It's taken from the beginning of the third chapter where Stephen is walking on Sandymount Strand and it's 11 o'clock in the morning, so still relatively early into his odyssey. He's thinking of many, many things and he closes his eyes and there is this conversation with self, I guess, focus on sight, seeing, visual, what is real, how do we see, what is truth, is what we see truthful, where is the truth? And uh, he brings in different philosophers and, and different ways of seeing. So um, I will see what I can see uh, is a seeing man on a beach walking with his eyes closed, tapping a stick on the sand, if you can do such a thing, and ruminating on the possibility of or the identity of vision. And that arrested me. It arrested me as someone who has a sensory uh, loss as well as the philosophical swing of his gait on the beach. I'm so drawn to speech and to words. And there's something about putting another layer on Ulysses, which is intriguing to me. I would like James Joyce's country's language to be the language in this piece. It, it was important to me that the additional layer of translation of Joyce and another language, and the fact that it hasn't been officially recognized and published as a translation of one of our greatest um, pieces of literature That's is astounding to me in um, 2022 that it has not been published. It's a nod to two different artists, really. It's a nod to the art of the translator, you know, the art, the, the nod to, to the backroom people, so to speak. The film itself, it's also footage that was shot by Jim Henry. It is indeed. I've been very fortunate to be in communication with his daughter throughout this process. He had a cine camera and he had an interest in documenting his travels and he travelled very widely in his life. I was interested to know had he filmed any of his time holiday in Ireland, for example. And he had, and I was graciously given access to some of the home footage cine film. And I love cine film. I have a real passion for that. And I love old family, home travel. There are so many stories in these pieces of footage. Uh, I find a lot of poetry in them. I'm, I'm very taken by them. Uh, so she gave me the footage. Uh, I think there was about an hour's worth of footage and I worked with it and gradually I, I whittled it down to footage which I felt evoked the sense of the text, but the music that I had written by that point. So the music was written and the text had been selected by the time I started working with the film. Uh, so I was choosing footage that I felt um, added some layer to the music and to the text, but also to the notions that are being referred to in the text. I will see if I can see. Maybe not for everyone, but for me, it uh, it, it resonates. It resonates. 
there's a willingness, but there's also a recognition of, you know, some of our inabilities and our capacity to see. Um, so like anything else, you know, because I'm a composer and an artist, I, I brought my own flight of fancy to it in order to try and make this uh, something that I hope will, will, will reach others wherever they are. Just on that notion of something resonating with you like you know when you're when you're creating work um how important is it for you to find those points of resonance that's an important question and and it's a big question because there is the self to care for and the self to intrigue and the self to keep stimulated but we we don't exist as solo entities and we're creating work to be performed, to be witnessed by others. And, and I think there's always the hope, for me at least, that some of what I create, have created and, and hopefully will create, will find a place in other viewers or listeners' experience. The ambition isn't looking for a direct line of communication but it's wanting to put something out there that has, um, if I could be so bold to say, a, a beauty or an essence to it that leaves itself open to being interpreted by somebody else, understood by somebody else at whatever level of understanding they want to bring to it. So for me, it's, it's not necessarily about making art. It's about putting something forward. And it's frightening to put something forward. It's scary to put stuff out there because you can put so much of yourself into something. And, and there's also the worry that that's not going to be seen, it's not going to be heard, and it's not going to be understood. But therein lies the, the challenge. And, and I'm sure, I mean, if you put yourself in, in Joyce's shoes writing Ulysses over that length of time, um, did he did he think about audience whatsoever? A point comes, and it has, certainly has for me in my own writing and, and of both text and music, that you you go beyond, you go beyond the rational, you go beyond the everyday. And you're lucky when this happens, because your head is going to go to that place. And I think that is the genius of Ulysses, he has captured it. But he lived in a very different world to where we are. And to arrest an audience is um, to capture and captivate an audience is a wholly different um, goal, I think. No. So for me, it's got to be doing something at some level for my internal rhythms in order to make it worthwhile. But there's also the necessity to create because who, who are we when we are unable to do so? What does that say about the journey we've been on? Basta. That was Eilish Nirin's I Will See If I Can See, composed for the Contemporary Music Centre and Centre Culturel Irlandais Ulysses Journey 2022. And you'll be able to hear more of this conversation with Eilish in a future episode of Amplify, so stay tuned for that. And you can see all six of these films for a limited time on our website. Details of this will be in the show notes for this episode. And let it these music films will be screened again over the course of the project, won't they? Yes, they will, Jonathan. We just mentioned there Dara's and Ailish's films. 
And I also made a reference to the fact that Ed Bennett um, was uh, worked with his own father for the spoken word. But just also mentioned that include in addition to Dermot Dunn, the filmmaker that Ed Bennett worked with was Laura Sheeran. And then Garth Knox, composer, was matched again with Dermot Dunn, but also actor Barry McGovern and filmmaker Jonathan Creasy was commissioned to work with them. Anson MacDonald then was matched with accordionist Dermot Dunn and also actor Nicole Rourke for spoken word. And he worked with a visual artist he knew in Northern Ireland called Ross Wilson, who works with an animator called Art Ward. So that film team was a combination of visual artist and animator, and they created Anselm's film. And then Ulton, who was part of the CMC Emerging Composer Scheme, he lined up a team of performers, including himself, Paul Rowe and Ono Canavon and actors Camilla Houston and Emer Walsh. So there was a huge array and including Ansam actually used text from a poet, Ewan Tate. So there were dancers, there was a dancer, Stephanie Dufresne in Ed Bennett's film. There were dancers, poets, there's a huge number of artists involved in these films. And as you said, yes, they will be shown again. Uh, one Dublin, One Book, which is one of our partners, will be screening this along with Ben Dwyer and myself out in Don Leary Lexicon Library and Cultural Centre in early April. It will also be featured in New Music Dublin 2022 in the National Concert Hall at the end of the month of April. And then, of course, we're going to screen it in Budapest in Fuga, which is the Centre for Architecture of Budapest on the 17th of June 2022 and in Paris on the 18th of June with our primary partners on this journey, Centre Culturel Irlande. And all of those screenings will also be accompanied with Ben's and my talk on Joyce and Music. So plenty of opportunities to see these films live over the coming months. And so to the other aspect of this project, the concerts. Tell us about these. Well, the concerts have um, sort of embedded themselves on the journey along the way. Every city where we are, we're doing a concert and a film screening. The call for these guitar works for Bloomsday originally way back in 2020, a Kathleen Kaltai, the Hungarian guitarist, selected 13 composers in the end from this group of people who had put in works. And they were Mate Ballock, Dara Black-Hines, Greg Caffrey, Sean Clancy, Benjamin Dwyer, Alessio Elia, Samu Grillis, Onya Malin, Gronya Mulvey, Petra Chassi, Martin Schox and Peter Tornai and Ian Wilson. So it's a selection of works, all for guitar solo, apart from Greg Caffrey's, which is for Catalina and Irish soprano Elizabeth. And they will appear again in a concert on the 16th of June in the Budapest Music Centre. That's Bloomsday 2022 in association with the Embassy of Ireland in Hungary. And then again in Paris two days later on the 18th of June, again with Saint Culturel Irlande. At the moment, that's the full plan for the live concerts, Dublin, Belfast, Budapest and Paris, with screenings popping up elsewhere. But it's a journey that's been growing all along the way. Jan. I'd watch this space. Indeed. So let's hear now from the performer, indeed, who's central to this whole project, guitarist Kathleen Coltai. Kathleen spoke to CMC director Yvonne Ferguson in between rehearsals in CMC before the concerts that took place in Belfast and Dublin on the 4th of and 6th of February. Here it is. Kathleen Kultai, you're very welcome to the CMC podcast Amplify. And it is so wonderful that after 
three years approximately from when we met first, you are back in Dublin. Yonapot Kivanok. Kasanam Ivan. And we met originally at a, a beautiful short concert that you had at the Embassy of Hungary here in Dublin. And you played uh, your beautiful transcriptions of Bartok. And we got to talking and we thought. It would be really nice if you and you were very open and interested in engaging with guitar music by composers from Ireland. Yeah, I remember the day after you called me to come over here to the centre and showed me the handle and the Messiah sign and and then led me to the library and showed me many, many guitar scores. I was really impressed of because I didn't know what's really going on in like contemporary music in Ireland. And I was so impressed about the quality and the quantity of of these guitar pieces and chamber pieces. Yeah, it's an interesting thing about contemporary music from Ireland that quite a number of our composers are guitarists as well and very fine guitarists. So they write quite idiomatically for the instrument. Tell us about the Ligeti guitar. Kathleen, because when we put out the call, CMC and the Budapest Music Centre for for these works to come forward for yourself to perform at, at, at the at the various performances in Ireland, France and Hungary, there was quite specific detail on the new guitar that you were developing at that time. Yes, that time uh, I was just about to start my PhD, which I am um, doing in uh, in England in at the University of Surrey, and this is my third year. And uh, I was uh, that time in the beginning of of de- developing a new magnet capo system, which became very successful. And then I realized that this this kind of new capo system is can radically expand the guitar's idiomatic borders. So I I went. Um, further with the development and ended up with a new guitar prototype, which has actually a transformed fretboard. And this fretboard has uh, embedded steel plates. And I'm having these small capos, capos or capodasters, which are single string capodasters, which can individually hold any strings at any fret. So therefore, actually, and they are magnetic, therefore, I am able to play notes which are very far from each other on the fretboard. It's it's similar like to the piano pedal in a way that okay. that uh, the the capo holds a note and that my hand can play other notes elsewhere. The whole development was very much inspired by George Ligeti's the Hungarian composer's music um, because that time I was already working on arranging his piano cycle entitled Musica Ricercata, and this cycle is based on different. Uh, pitch sets and I felt that there 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 may be a similarity or a parallel between how I transform the 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 tuning in a way not just tuning but the open strings through this magnet capo system parallelly how Ligeti transforms the pitch sets for each each movement in the Musica Ricercata so this this like musical inspiration led me to actually inventing a new type of instrument, which I'm going to play on the concerts here. Mm. 
And as well as playing these solo works for guitar by composers from Ireland and composers from Hungary, we've also brought you all this way to collaborate with one of our finest exponents of contemporary music. That's Elizabeth Hilliard, the soprano. And uh, you will perform along with Elizabeth this work, which is very much rooted in Ulysses, The Private Consciousness of Molly Bloom, a work by Greg Caffrey. And how has that been? You've just been rehearsing over the last few days, Kathleen, this work with Elizabeth. And uh, we're, we're delighted to be able to bring the two of you together at last, not over Zoom, but in person. Yes, it is a privilege to work with Elizabeth. Uh, she's, I think, a very exceptional singer. Uh, I already knew this before, but now working with her, I I know it even better. So she, she is really, I think... Uh, doing some excellent job on the piece which is highly difficult especially for the singer Um, but in a way it is also difficult for the guitarist because there is this endless flow of new material as as it is in the like thoughts flow of of molly bloom in the novel uh yeah we had our two rehearsals today and yesterday and today Greg was able to join join us on Zoom and we'll meet him in person in Belfast. Mm. How important is that, Kathleen, talking very, very directly with the composers? Is that an important way of working for you? Yeah, I think it really depends on the performer. For me, it is highly important. I suppose it is one of the reasons why I dedicate like a big majority of time of my time to playing new music because there is this chance to find out more than just the notated score to to discuss and to communicate about it it is for me this is the way to approach so now that i was collaborating in the last couple of weeks with all of these composers through zoom and some of them in person i find it so interesting that like I, I suppose I, as I played so many like new music performances already, I have my typical questions in a way, mm-hmm. and and then there there are so different responses or so so different approaches, and I can already like identify different approaches like the first few seconds, like okay, this person is like more like into looking for like. Uh, colors and while others are more into like uh, bringing into ideas through the the big bigger con- context and this kind of differences um, are appearing in these conversations. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you very kindly uh, went through all the works that were submitted and it, for for the call. And this is a good many years back because, of course, we've had a few pauses in this project due, unfortunately, to, to COVID. And you went through all the submissions. And in your selections, Kathleen, you, you've mentioned there you were looking for something that was pushing, pushing the boundaries akin to the way Joyce was pushing the boundaries of language. And what were you impressed with, you know, in terms of the scores that were coming through and the ones that you selected? Well, I think um, the most impressive um, thing in this this project, uh, guitar-wise and music-wise, and I hope the audience will agree on listening to the two concerts here in Ireland, um, is is that how how diverse all these approaches are. That that in in a way. All the pieces are 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 saying something really novel and and uh, 
and uh, bringing up something which 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 was not there in guitar music before, but they do it in so different ways that that they are no similar pieces in in the in this huge program at all. And um, all the ideas um, are so colorful and different. Uh, and there is like I well I I would wouldn't dare myself putting in the position to talk about like the language of joyce of course but there is uh, especially here in ireland but uh, but uh, there is this like flow of thoughts in in between the different compositions like uh, idiomatically um which which is which i find really beautiful and very challenging as a performer mm-hmm. uh, and i think I could see that that point already, uh, but now that I have learned all the pieces, it is really apparent. Mm-hmm. There are quite a number of world premieres, which is very exciting for the audience. Yes, and uh, two of those are very focused on responding to Ulysses. That Stara Black Hines Proteus, which is a world premiere, and Mate Balog's Little Harry Hughes, both referring to specific episodes in Ulysses. I think. Yes. yes. And um, when you come, is there, I suppose, you know, for us as the audience, it's so exciting to have a world premiere and we, we were getting to hear this for the very first time, but it comes with a lot of responsibility for the performer. Yes, it, it does. Uh, um, I'm just meeting Dara, Dara in, a, in an hour, I think, for a rehearsal, but we already rehearsed through Zoom. I think uh, in Proteus, there is, this kind of slow flow of thoughts again. It's just like in a way similar to the Molly Bloom piece, but in a way very different because time is much slower in, in this piece. And uh, well, I, I suppose the mindset is, is much more calm uh, in that piece. Uh, so actually Dara heard me playing just as you did, Yvonne, when I when I was here three years ago in Dublin and uh, he he contacted me. Then we we didn't speak it uh, in person after the concert, but he sent me an email after that, and he he suggested that he'd be very happy to to write a piece for for my. Um, that time it was only the magnet cable system, but later the Ligeti guitar. So and he also added. He also wrote quite in detail from about his composition in his PhD research. Uh, so so that's with him, it started like a long time ago and we've been collaborating throughout. With Mate Balog, he already wrote another piece, no, several pieces, a, a solo and a chamber music piece in Hungary. He's someone who is really into literature and in putting compositions in, in some kind of a wider cultural context. Absolutely. Kathleen, thank you so much. Kusanum Seipen. And uh, we look forward to the rest of uh, our journey on the Ulysses journey. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you.
That was Dara Black Hines's Proteus, as premiered by guitarist Kathleen Kultai at the Hugh Lane Gallery as part of the Ulysses Journey 2022, ending the conversation between Kathleen and Yvonne Ferguson. For further information and updates on Ulysses Journey 2022, please see our website. That's all for this week. Until then, thanks for listening.